The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. And welcome to the Grove. If I haven't met you before, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Stoked that you are here today. I discovered something. The lead pastor... I don't know if you notice this, you probably don't on a Sunday morning, but somebody always brings the table up for the lead pastor, but when <laughs> it's not the lead pastor, I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, hey, no, so glad that you guys are here today, we've got a great day in store for you. Man, coming out of uh, a series, um, Legacy, that we just came out of, a message series that we were in, if you missed uh, either of the installments of at least the last two weeks, I say this all the time, if you ever miss a Sunday, uh, you never have to miss a Sunday for two reasons. Uh, For one, you can tune in live online. In fact, I want to say good morning to those tuning in live from the comfort of your home or work or wherever you're at. Uh, Say good morning. I trust that Heather and Eli took great care of you. You may not know that, but we have a live gathering that goes uh, on Facebook and our online platform, which is simply uh, off of our website, grove.church. You can watch live no matter where you're at. Obviously, vacations happen, sickness happens, sometimes you're traveling. I've tuned in from 35,000 feet on a plane, so uh, you never have to miss church. Uh, you can always tune in, but also you can go back and listen to past ones um, off our website or uh, the church app. Um, just click media. And the last two Sundays have been uh, critical and pivotal in the life of our church. So if you missed either of those, I highly ask you to go back and watch or listen to those. Two weeks ago, um, we celebrated 90 years as a church. It was our birthday, which is incredible. We looked back at the previous 90 um, and the influence that this church has had in Marysville and Snohomish County. Um, It was looking back even on some of the individuals, pastors, and even uh, couples and families just like you who served and sacrificed and gave uh, to make sure that the legacy of the church uh, could spread the gospel message. And, And then last week, Definitely of one of those two, if you like, I only have time to listen to one of the two, definitely last week where we talked about the next 10 and where we're going and what we're doing. So I want to encourage you to do that uh, if you missed out. Um, next week we begin, we're already in the season, people. Thanksgiving is this week. Christmas is coming. And uh, we're going to start our Christmas series uh, next Sunday. Uh, but today you've got me with a standalone message. And I don't know what your favorite holiday is. For me, my favorite holiday is Christmas. And then like right, right underneath it is Thanksgiving. And I've shared before, like I'm a fried turkey pro, all right? I, I, I tried to find a picture of my deep fried turkey to show you, like with me going like, like this, and I didn't have one. <laughs> so I'm going to take one this year so I can use it next year. I don't know. I always end up speaking, no, that is not what mine looks like. If you're not a pro, that's what you get. But uh, I'll take one this year. And sh- if you haven't had deep fried turkey, you have not lived yet, all right? Um, it is awesome. But I love, uh, obviously, uh, this holiday season, and Thanksgiving is incredible. Now, I'm, I'm writing a report, okay? I'm doing a study, and I need your help this morning. So I want you to do me a favor. 99.99% of you all have a smartphone. Take it out right now, wherever you've got it, in your purse. Dudes, if you've got it in your fanny pack, wherever it's at, grab it and hold it up for me. Okay, we're all going to do this together. We need to take a survey. I need real-time analytics Come on, hold it up. Don't put it down. Everybody, I need, I need to see it. Okay, I want you to open up your camera app. I want you to point it at me like you're going to take a picture of me. But don't take a picture. Well, you can take a picture of me if you want to, but I'm going to have you take a picture of a QR code that we're going to put on the screen. We're going to take a real-time survey, and I need to know. In fact, I'm going to do this too. If you don't know how to use a QR code, as soon as you see it, yellow will go around it. You click that. It's going to take you to a website, safe, secure, anonymous. We need to find out what is the most 
What is the favorite, what is your favorite food item on your Thanksgiving Day table? Okay, is it turkey? Is it mashed potatoes and gravy? Is it stuffing? Is it green bean casserole? Or is it yams and sweet potatoes? And I know what you're thinking. Well, Ryan, I put gravy on my stuffing. I get it, we're all a little different, but just go with me on these, okay? You get to pick just one. I'm gonna put my selection and I'm gonna click vote, okay? And then we're gonna switch over. Uh, let's go to the real-time results here, Evan, if you can for me. Um, that's not the right page, but it's going to come in here in a second. As soon as they start to come in, we're going to see which is the most highly rated favorite food item that we can come up with. It's a little more delayed than it was last time. I've got it on my screen, Evan. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, he's he's going to, hey, this is either going to go amazing or it's going to crash and burn. But we're in this together, all right? We're in this together. I think they're going to get it up there. He's going to try to refresh it. There we go. Okay. So we've got right now mashed potatoes and gravy in the lead with 31%. Okay, stuffing, surprisingly, at 22%. It won out uh, in first gathering. I'm going to tell you that right now. And then turkey comes, no, turkey, yam, sweet potatoes at 18%. Those numbers will keep coming in here, but I do this for you. I'm not really writing a report. You can sleep easy tonight knowing where you fit within society of what the favorite food item is. Thank you for participating uh, in that little survey. Hey, do me a favor. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open them up, take them out, or maybe you use a Bible app on your smartphone or a tablet. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again as you're turning there. Like when it comes to reading scripture, of course, as a church, we've gone through uh, like the one year Bible reading plan together for several years now. But I say this that it's not always the quantity of scripture that you consume in any given moment that's most important. Right? Sometimes it doesn't have to be. I did this like in my early teens, uh, in my uh, late teens and early 20s, man. I, I, of course, I went to Bible school, so um, I love this book. And I was just, I was reading like books of the Bible at a time. Um, but I found later as I got into like my mid-20s and stuff that, man, I was just missing a lot of it. I was rushing through in an effort to get through a lot of it. Rather than sometimes, let's be honest, just a chapter or even just a few verses or even one verse can be enough to stop and really chew on and think about, right? I've spent my whole life, and this is what I do, and I hope you do, trying to filter my life, right? My ideals, my outlooks, uh, how I interact, how I should interact with my wife or my kids or my bosses, right? My relationship with other people, how it affects my relationship with my money or my things. I filter my life through the scriptures. My, my beliefs, all, all of it is filtered through this. Which, by the way, shocking report at the end, if we find things in the moments where we don't match up with it, it's not this that should change. It's this that should change. And so we filter our lives through this. It's not always the quantity. Sometimes one verse is enough to chew on to really challenge us with that. In fact, we know I love this book. This, I've, been, I've been a student of this since I was in my mid-teens. And, of course, again, I mentioned I went to Bible school and I'm a pastor as a profession. Um, but I learn something new from it every time I read it. Right, because sometimes the season of life that I'm in, this is a freebie, by the way, I didn't even say this first gathering, but, but the season that I'm in or what I'm facing, I, something jumps out that didn't necessarily jump out before. Like I'm always continually learning. This is always crafting and guiding and molding who I am. But we know this isn't, I've said this before too, isn't just one book, is it? No, it's 66 different books written by over 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. And yet it's one cohesive redemption story 
from start to finish. Think about that for a moment. If I split a bunch of you up, even in the same year, and put you in different places around the world and told you to write a chapter of a story and put them all together, it probably wouldn't add up because we know there's one author of this that inspired humans. In fact, we find this, if you're taking notes, there's a freebie for you, but 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we apply ourselves and filter our thoughts, ideals, standing points on what we do and how we interact through this, it changes who we are, and it's where we find our best life. And I want that to be the concept as we dive into 1 Thessalonians today, filtering ourselves through what we're about to read. And of course, this is written by the Apostle Paul, it's, his, uh, it's one of his letters, one of two, to the uh, church at Thessalonica, right? And, and he writes this, and it's the, the, uh, chapter 5, starting uh, in that area, is Paul's final advice to this church as he's writing this letter. And I want you to hear these words. Paul says this. He says in verse 12, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Verse 14, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Verse 16, always be joyful. 17, never stop praying. And 18, be in all circumstance, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you he, who belong to Christ Jesus. If we filter our life next to the verses that we just read, there's probably several in that that we could have stopped and said, whoop, need to stop there. Let's focus on that one. And it could be a sermon series, right? Don't repay evil for evil, right? Do good to everybody, right? These are moments where we could stop. And so I want us to look I wanted to give you a little context there, but I want to look at 16, 17, and really 18, which fits obviously so well with a holiday that shares the same name, this idea of being thankful. Paul says it this way. I want to repeat. He says, always be joyful. If you have a Bible, I want you to circle that or underline it or highlight it if you're in an app, a Bible app of some kind. Paul says always. He doesn't say sometimes be joyful. He doesn't say, hey, when circumstances dictate that they're good, then be joyful. No, what does he say? He says, always be joyful. Ask yourself the question, are you always joyful? Here's another one. Next verse, Paul says, never stop praying. He doesn't say, oh, pray for five minutes a day. Paul doesn't say, hey, pray for an hour a day. Paul doesn't say, hey, take time to pray every other day or a couple times a week. No, he says, never stop praying. Always pray. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you have a direct connection with God in heaven. Pray about your circumstances. Pray always. And then he says this in verse 18. So we're going to spend our time today. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. Again, underline that. Circle that word all. Highlight. Do something. Paul didn't say be thankful in some circumstances. He didn't say be thankful in most circumstances. 
Paul is saying that in all things, whether it's good or whether things are bad, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're walking through a valley and you can't see five feet in front of you and nothing seems fair, he says, in all things, be thankful. And some of us might think, well, what does Paul know? I mean, easy for him to say, like most church pastors, just telling us how to live our life and they don't know what we're going through. I mean, Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, right? One of the main authorities of the New Testament, first century church moving forward. You might think, well, what does Paul know? Let me tell you this. Of all people, Paul would know what it means to walk and live this out, whether circumstances are good or bad, to be thankful in all of them. Right, just the letter he's writing to Thessalonica Okay, the, the context in which he's writing this, let me give you a little background. He's just been miraculously released from prison in Philippi, which is where he writes the book of Philippians. Okay, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. I don't know about you, but that's not a good circumstance. I don't think most of us wake up in the morning going, hey, let's go give that a try today. Let's see what it's like living you know, in prison. Right? Not a great circumstance. Right? He's actually traveled from Philippi with his travel companions, Silas and Timothy. They're on a missionary journey. They get to another city. Persecution is so bad against trying to come after Paul that he actually leaves. He doesn't want to leave uh, Timothy and Silas, but he leaves them on his own because persecution is so high that he's running away from it. Right, the context of this letter is he's addressing two main things to the church that have come up. It's a church that he's planted, that he loves, and he's trying to encourage them. A big question that's come up, two of them, is number one, right, Paul is preaching Christ's life, death, resurrection and ascension to heaven. Paul is preaching the only way to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to, to God except through Jesus. And there's some believers there in Thessalonica going, okay, Paul, we're behind you with this Jesus thing, but, but, but if he's the only way, what about our loved ones who have passed away before Jesus was here? Well, what if they didn't know about him? What about our ancestors? What happens to them? So Paul's addressing that. And the second main subject that he's addressing in Thessalonians is the idea of persecution and what's happening to the first century church. And I know that when I use that P word, you and I, we have thoughts about what it is, but we have no idea what it really is. None of us have experienced persecution. Yet. But this is Paul. This is what they're facing. People that will take you to life, throw you in prison if you talk about Jesus. If anybody had the authority to speak on this idea of being thankful in all circumstances, it was Paul. Paul, who we know was beaten, who we know was imprisoned, who we knew in his missionary journeys was shipwrecked three different times. And I'm not talking, hey, my, bro my boat broke down. Can you send the dinghy to you know, come pick me up and take me to shore? Like broke down, shipwrecked, like storm, like crash. Like don't know if I'm going to you know, live through this. And ultimately his path and his journey leads him, even though he's warned, don't go here because if you do, they're going to kill you. He said, nah, this is what God has called me to do. I'm willing to give my life for this and ultimately is martyred for the faith. If anybody had the authority to speak on this, it's Paul. So if we're supposed to be thankful through the tough things, if Paul's saying, hey, it's not just when it's well, but it's through those moments we experience loss or when people cheat us or when people are running us off the road, or, or when people, even to the, the places that you and I may experience persecution, even in those moments, 
we should be able to be thankful. Why? Because our joy and our thanksgiving isn't based in what happens to us and what the circumstances are. It's based in who we are, which are children of God, knowing that he sent his son Jesus and we have that gift of grace and salvation. That's what Paul is saying. If we filter our life through this passage, it should cause most of us to stop for a moment and think, huh, am I thankful in the bad situations? Because most of us haven't even entered category two, which is the bad, because we have a hard enough time being thankful in the good situations. You and I have a hard enough time being thankful in all moments when the things are good, let alone getting into the bad. Why? Because our good isn't as good as somebody else's good. We have a hard time being thankful for our good because we compare ourselves to other people's good and it's better and so then we're not thankful. Right? We're not thankful as we drive around in our 1995 you know, Honda Accord that's got some scratches and it sputters a bit and it's got some issues and the seatbelt doesn't work perfectly well. I mean, yes, it keeps us dry in the Northwest rain nine months out of the year. Yes, it keeps us warm when the temperature's in the 20 degrees like it's been this week. But because it's not the Tesla or whatever somebody else has, we're not thankful for it. But Paul is saying you should not only be thankful in the good moments, which we struggle with, you also should be thankful even when you go through the hard things, the disappointing things, the struggles that don't seem fair. Because your source doesn't come from the circumstance, it comes from something different. And you might look at this and say, oh, we're supposed to be thankful in the good, right? That doesn't, and in the bad, the bad doesn't even make sense. Like that, I mean, in a cultural societal context, it doesn't even make any sense. Like what you're saying doesn't make sense. Like I have a right, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my stuff. You don't know what people do or say to me. It doesn't make sense when you view this through a democratic mindset. It doesn't make sense when you view this through a republic mindset. It doesn't make sense when it's the Burger King my way, anytime, however I want it mindset that you and I have grown up in. But this Bible doesn't make sense because it is countercultural. When you read this Bible, society says when you escalate up the ladder, get yours. Get your parking spot, your corner office. Do what you have to get yours because other people are getting theirs. The Bible, we did a message series on this a few years ago called Upside Down Kingdom. This is upside down from everything that is telling you how you should live and how you should think and what your perspective should be every single day without you even knowing it. This says you want to be the greatest? You need to be the least. You want to be top dog? You need to become servant of all. This is counter-cultural. So yes, it doesn't make sense to think about being happy, of uh, giving thanksgiving. And I'm not saying it's easy. Guys, I'm not saying it's easy. I struggle. I'm human. I get angry. God, why? Are, what am I? Why? It's like one thing after another. But when I come back to this and I filter my life through it, this doesn't change. I have to change. You have to change. And when we do that, we find and we tap into something that's supernatural. The Bible's contradictory to culture and society. Paul's challenge to us, and I know this sounds a bit corny, and it's kind of intentional. I feel a little bit like Russell Wilson when I say this, and I love Russell Wilson. So listen, this is not a hate moment, people, all right? I don't want to get emails later, all right? <laughs> right? But it's a little corny intentionally because I hope if you don't remember anything else from today that you at least remember this, right? This is why jingles work, right? Jingles work not because they're cool, but because you remember them. 
okay? Some of you looked at the, the, uh, the slide behind me and said, God, you spelled Thanksgiving wrong, Ryan. That's not how you spell it, right? It, it, jingles work because if I sing this, I promise you as I start to sing this jingle, I, I don't like it at all, but it works. You're gonna start singing with me because you know it, and you probably equally hate it as much as I do, okay? 1877 cars for kids. Okay. It works. It works because you remember it. Here's the thing. This sounds kind of corny, but this is what Paul is saying. Our lives should not be marked by giving thanks once in a while. Thanksgiving. Our lives should be marked by always giving thanks regardless of the circumstance. Thanks living. That's what Paul is saying. And if we measure ourselves up, I'm not here to beat you down. I don't measure up to this yet. Surprise. <laughs> I don't, I don't, right, just because we're pastors, I'm a human being. We're real people challenging real people. It's part of our code. I'm not better than you are. I'm trying to figure it out. I have good days, I have bad days. But I'm still convicted when I read it. And I still know that Jesus is working on me. That's what I'm challenging. That's what Paul's challenging. Just filter your life through this. And it's so easy to go, yeah, I'll filter my life through this. I love the saved and salvation, free grace for my sin and mess ups thing. Yeah, I don't like it when it tells me how I live my life though. I know. You'll discover your best life possible, which by the way, it looks nothing like what you think it's supposed to look like through society's lens or culture's lens. But your best life is lived when you're on mission like Paul was on mission. I want to ask you a question. This is the same question that's going to be asked around tables far and near this week. And this is, we took a survey earlier together, but now I just want you to take a survey in your own heart between you and God. And the survey is this. Here's the question. What are you thankful for? When you filter your life through this passage of Scripture, what are you thankful for? Just think about it for a moment. Just, just you and him. Close your eyes if you have to. What are you thankful for? Start thinking of some of them. Let me share with you a few things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a healthy family. You know, it seems like something, it's in the moments where things go really, really, really bad that we're reminded of what's really, really important and the things we're really, really thankful for. And I'm thankful, as silly as it sounds, and it's probably the, oh, shoot, it's coming around the table to me. What am I going to say? I'm thankful for my health. But in reality, like to think about that, when you're not healthy, the playing ground changes, doesn't it? I shared this story a few years ago, but um, when we were pastors uh, at a church before we came to the Grove, which, by the way, it was nine years this last week for Adrian and I on staff here at the Grove. It's been, it's been incredible. I told Nick, I was like, dude, nine years already. It's insane. But the church we were at before this, we had a couple in our life group. And the reason I say I'm thankful for the health of my family is because when we were with them, their eight-year-old son was diagnosed out of the blue with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And their world flipped upside down. And I remember walking through this process with them and they would say things like, Ryan, like all the, all the aspirations, all the home you know, updates that we were doing and renovations, all the cars that we were after, all the, 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 the money in the, in the retirement account, which again, none of those things are necessarily bad things, but all of that ceases to matter at all when you think about your son maybe not living. And so I'm thankful. When's the last time you stopped and thought to yourself, man, I am just thankful that I have a healthy family. 
And I bet you the last time you thought that was when you found out somebody else's story where it wasn't that way. I'm thankful that my family is healthy. Here's another thing I'm thankful for. I just want to give you a couple of them. I'm thankful for a wife who loves me despite my shortcomings, which are many. Not height-wise, right? That's somebody else. <laughs> Excuse me, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. It's been a great nine years, people. It's been a great nine years. Okay. Woo, buddy. Um, no, but I'm thankful for my wife. I am not perfect in any way, shape, or form. And she has grace enough for me, which I am very grateful for. I'm grateful for a job that provides me with the ability to afford a house that keeps me and my family dry and warm, that I have lights that come on at the flip of a switch and clean running water at the turn of a faucet, which we know that not everyone in our world has, and all the other luxuries that that house provides, even though I take them for granted every single day. You know, there was a, I don't know, some of you are on social media, some of you aren't, uh, but I want to share in just a moment a meme with you. So a meme is basically a picture of something that has writing on it. Oftentimes they're sarcastic or funny or whatever. And I remember uh, a thing that was going around social media a few years ago was just the idea of people just going, man, I would live off the grid. If you gave me the, I would go. And it's like a picture of a house and a cabin on a mountain with nothing around for hundreds of miles. And the idea of unplugged, no internet, just books and whatever. And I would love that. And then this last week, <laughs> many of us were reminded of what that would be like because uh, this meme, Evan, if you could put it up there, uh, says everyone's sharing the picture saying that they can live in a cabin with no internet for a month. Three days without power determined that was a lie, right? <laughs> right? So many of us very recently were reminded of those little luxuries that we just take for granted all the time. I'm thankful for that. Here's a couple more. I'm thankful for a church. And I'm talking about you, not the organization. I'm thankful for a church to be a part of something and a church who sees beyond themselves, sees beyond their needs or their comfort, to see a mission that is worth sacrificing, that's worth serving, that's worth living and dying for so that others could find what they have found in Christ. It's very easy for us just to show up on Sunday and be a part of this thing and feel good as we go home or tune in from online and, and watch it from the comfort of our home and be good. And yet, man, that legacy series that we just went through, like people sacrificed and gave and loved and served to build a legacy and an impact in our community. And it's individuals and couples and families just like you who in the moment saw the mission and said, I'm willing. That's why you guys serve and you greet at a door or you serve in Grove Kids. My heroes are individuals and couples and families that serve our kids so that they can learn about Jesus and have a safe place to have fun. I'm grateful to be a part of a church like that, and I'm thankful for it. Here's the last one. I'm thankful that even in life's worst moments, whether it's struggles or hardships, and it's whatever you're facing, I'm thankful for a God who sent his son to pay a price that was not his so that you and I could have the gift of eternal salvation through grace that's free. Ephesians calls it a free gift for you. Paul wrote that letter to the church at Ephesus. 
that even when things are really bad and aren't fair as I compare to everybody else around me or what I see on TV or social media, I haven't even stepped into the bad yet. Like, like even those struggles that we have like fail in comparison to things that others are going through. And yet Jesus was willing to come and do that for you and I. So even in those moments, and that's the, that's the faith, that's the why that Paul had that allowed him to do the what? The mission and his missionary journeys to go through being beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked and uncomfortable all the time. In fact, I didn't share this in the first gathering, but do you know how Paul was recruited by God to begin with? So his name was Saul after his conversion. His name changes to Paul. But do you know what he tells, you know what God says to Ananias? So, so Saul is a Christian killer. Saul, Paul, Christian killer. Everybody knows who, who this guy is. And he tells Ananias, he says, go and tell Paul how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Nope, I'm out. I'm good. Nope. Mm-mm. You and I sometimes need to be reminded that the way that we view life because of all of the exterior stuff that's going on, all of the ways that we think we should be living life and what's success and what's not success, we try to apply it to this and that's where we struggle. We struggle because we're trying to fit this to what we want to do when it's supposed to be the other way around. We're supposed to filter us through this and that's what Paul found. Your best life I'm not talking millions, I'm not talking vacations, I'm not talking all that stuff. Paul's best life was none of that, but it was his best life. Because when you find that, it's, you've realized that none of those other things really matter. They'll never satisfy. There's no number that will ever enter your bank account where you'll be satisfied. There's no level at your job of title that you will get that you'll ever be satisfied. Paul had found that thing and he was willing to live for it and to die for it. And it's something that's available to you and I as well. So the last question is, is simply this. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? My prayer for us today is not that just that we would be a people who give thanks from time to time, thanksgiving, but that we would have lives marked by being thankful in all things, regardless of the circumstances, and start thanks living. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your word. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But God, in this moment, as individuals, as couples, and as families, we filter our life through what we just read. We, we look at it like we look at ourselves in a mirror. And if we don't match up, God, I pray, number one, that you wouldn't bring condemnation. That's not what this is about. That nobody would feel beat down. But God, that we would all be reminded that we're still in process. God, I pray that there are some in this room right now that have probably been in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And God, there's also, I certainly hope, there's somebody here today who is still trying to figure out if you're real, if this Jesus thing is real, if God is real. Maybe they were invited by somebody or here for a child dedication today. But wherever we're at in the process, God, would you just speak to our hearts? We want to hear. God, we want to know. And God, we're willing to, to hold ourselves up next to the standard of Scripture And if we find ourselves not there, that's okay. As long as we commit to making uh, the step, putting in the work to change, that we would filter our lives through you, that we would be people, even this week, as we're with our families, and whatever that context looks like for each person's world, for some people it's going to be one place, one location on Thursday. For others, it's going to be a weekend full of different house visits and different families, or even on that day, splitting up, whatever that looks like, that there would be a moment that we would just sit back, And think 
for just a moment the things that we're really thankful for. God, we want to be a people marked by giving thanks in all circumstances. Do that. Speak that. Change that in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.